Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And so there's only one way to think about this then, is that this is yet a period of time in the future where after the church is removed, the Bible says there's a seven-year period where God's wrath will be poured out. And there will be persecution during those seven years because there will be the option, there will be the possibility of people to be saved during that great tribulation period. Is it going to be easy? No. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins to give us a prelude or introduction to Revelation chapter 6. We remember that the scroll has been given to Jesus Christ, who is the only one worthy to open its seals. From the previous chapter, we understand this scroll is the history and destiny of mankind and creation. If the scroll details the culmination of history, then the things associated with the removal of the seals must happen before the scroll is open. This is not the fulfillment of history itself, but the preparation for it. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study in the book of Revelation. I've actually titled this morning's message something a little bit different, a prelude. It's a prelude to Revelation 6. And we're going to be looking at an overview of the tribulation period If you remember, in Revelation chapter uh, 1, verse 19, the outline of the book of Revelation was given to us. In fact, let me read it to you. The Lord spoke to John the Apostle and said, Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. And we looked at the outline of the book of Revelation and how the the, the things which uh, he had seen were those things in chapter 1 where we see the glorified Jesus Christ in his glorified form. And we looked at that when we were in chapter 1. And the things which are, according to John at this time, because he is a part of the church as well, really encompasses chapter 2 and 3, which really speak of the seven churches of Revelation. They were seven real churches in Asia Minor, and they also, in, in, in various ways, represent the entire church age, of which we are still in, correct? Because as long as we are here, we are still in the church age. The church age has continued, has, has, has continued from the day of Pentecost up until the current day until the Lord comes in the rapture to retrieve his bride to himself. And so that is the church age. So we are still living in that age. 
but we know that it's rapidly coming to a close. We believe the Lord could come back at any time. But notice in the outline in, in verse 19 of chapter 1 that says, Write the things which shall take place after this. And we began to look at chapter 4. In fact, chapter 4 begins with the very same words, After these things. And so now we are looking into the future because that, that chapter 4 hasn't happened yet. Because we believe that either simultaneous with that event or just prior to that is when the church will be removed. The church age will end. And then we will be in glory. And John records for us in chapters 4 and 5 what is going on in glory at that time. Yet future to us today. And he also gets into, and it's a heavenly scene, isn't it? We looked at that for a couple weeks. The scene is in the heavens, because where is Jesus? He's in the heavens. Where is the church at that time? In glory with him, because they've just been raptured. They are with him. But now when we get into chapter 6, this begins, this is that third section again, but it's a really pivotal, pivotal section, because it really speaks of God's wrath being poured out. We call it the Great Tribulation Period. And this last uh, section of scripture really lasts from chapter 4 until the very end of, of, of the book of Revelation. But specifically for the Great Tribulation, we're really looking at uh, chapter 6 through 18, the end of 18, where it is a period, the Bible tells us, it's a seven year period after the church is removed where God will pour out his wrath upon a world that has rejected his only means of salvation, and that's Jesus Christ. See, that is yet future to us. We know that because we haven't been, we haven't been taken. And we see, as, as Jesus said, you know, you're going to see these signs coming. And we're seeing those signs approaching his second coming, meaning his second full coming to the earth. And if we're already seeing those signs begin to take place, then we've got to back up even further than that. And that's when he comes for the church. Because the Bible tells us very clearly that God has not appointed us to wrath, but to, obtain his sal- but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Over and over again, the Bible is replete with this concept of the Lord removing his bride, removing his faithful remnant before he pours out wrath. We see it in Genesis and Genesis 19. Who did he remove before the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah? Lot who is not the, the most devoted Christian, but the Bible calls him a, a Christian. And God removed him and his family before God poured out his wrath. And over and over again, we see that in the scripture of God doing that. So the pattern is very clear. And why would God drag his bride through the mud? Why would he cause her to go through his wrath when it was what he did on the cross that delivered us from the wrath? Amen? The ultimate wrath is the second death. God doesn't need for you and I to go through the tribulation to be purified. We have been purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. End of, end of subject. That is done once and for all. I think we all agree. Amen? And so there's only one way to think about this then, is that this is yet a period of time in the future where after the church is removed, the Bible says there's a seven-year period where God's wrath will be poured out. And there will be persecution during those seven years because there will be the option, there will be the possibility of people to be saved during that great tribulation period. Is it going to be easy? No. It's going to be nearly 
impossible, but it's not going to be impossible. It's not going to be impossible, but the deception is going to be so great, folks. You and I live in gravy train right now because we have received by faith when things are real easy, but when the great tribulation comes, when this period that we're talking about begins, the deception will be so great. You think the deception's really heavy now? Wait till the church is removed, and then there's going to be great deception. The light, in a sense, in the church at least, will be removed. The Holy Spirit is omniscient. He'll still be here, but in a different fashion, in a different role, if you will. But it's going to be difficult. And there will be people in the tribulation period who will get saved, a a small remnant comparatively, but it will cost them their lives. And we also know that there are 144,000 Jews that will be preserved through the tribulation And they will be persecuted. So it's going to be a time for the believers on the earth at that time, the small remnant that it's going to be, they will be hunted. They will be persecuted by this man of sin that the Bible calls the Antichrist or the lawless one. That's what's going to happen. They're going to be hunted. But it will predominantly be a time of God's wrath upon a world, again, that has rejected his only means of salvation. That means if you've received Buddha and you follow Buddha for the rest of your life until you take your last breath, I'm sorry, but you're not going to be welcomed into the kingdom of heaven. If you've received Allah and you've served him and and you're a Muslim and you continue on until your very last breath, I'm sorry, but you're not going to go to be with the Lord. The gospel is open to every single human being on the earth, regardless of anything. It's a narrow road, but everyone is invited on that narrow road. Have you gotten on that narrow road? Are you on the narrow path that leads to life? Or are you still on that broad path that leads to destruction? Many there are that are on that path. Jesus told us that. And so we have to be very careful. And thank God that you and I belong to the church And when this church age is done, the Lord will call us up. He will say, come up here, just as he did in chapter 4 of Revelation. So this is a period of time. And before we actually get into Revelation chapter 6, we're going to look at at an overview of this period before we get into it. So next week we'll get into Revelation 6. But we really need to talk about what this period is and and what the Bible says about this period as a whole. Very important for us. It's It's a very... Uh, significant doctrine for the church. So, what will happen after the rapture of the church? A gentleman by the name of Joseph Seiss, who was an American theologian and a Lutheran minister, believe it or not, he wrote one of, the, one of the best commentaries on the book of Revelation. It's hard to find. You can only get it in print. Actually, I just found it online. Uh, but it's a really fantastic book, but it's not an easy read by, by any means. But he said this concerning what happens when the church is removed and the tribulation begins. He said this. He says, Indeed, then only will commence the time when evil shall rush unhindered to its highest bloom of daring and blasphemy. That which hindered being taken away, then shall that wicked be revealed, whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and all deceivableness of unrighteousness and them that perish because they receive what? Not the love of the truth. Notice the truth is love that they might be saved. And even Jesus himself said this. He said, unless those days were shortened in the tribulation, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those saints and those Jews living on the earth during that time who have received Christ. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. They will be shortened. And so in the Bible, this seven-year period of time 
after the rapture is called at least a couple of things. The 70th week of Daniel, you've heard that. It's also called the time of Jacob's trouble. In Jeremiah, it says, Alas, for that day is great, that so that none is like it. And it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. So this is a time coming on the earth which is horrible. In fact, the, uh, let me just go through it. And then he says, and there's also another phrase for this period of time. And of course, we know it as the Great Tribulation Period. In Daniel, it says, At that time, Michael shall stand up. The great prince who stands... Watch over the sons of your people, speaking to Daniel. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And so we know that this, this time is a time of great tribulation. And so when, as, as we get into Revelation chapter 6, this coincides with what we've called Daniel's 70th week, or the Jacob's trouble, or the great tribulation period. It's a time when the Antichrist... Now, the Antichrist is not this guy who's in a red suit with a, with a long t- pointy tail with a pitchfork. Okay? Everybody has this persona or, or personages or an image of the Antichrist being this little devil. Well, when he first shows up on the scene, he is going to be the savior. <laughs> Lowercase s. He's going to make everything work. After the church is removed, he's going to come on the scene And he's not going to be indwelt with Satan himself at that time, but he's going to be empowered. He is going to be very, um, he's going to change the world. And the world will follow after him. He'll be probably good looking. He'll be well spoken, you better believe it. And he'll have an appearance of righteousness. And everyone will look at this guy and think, wow, he's got the answers to everything. And so, we know that that is coming so turn with me to Daniel chapter 9, because we need to look at this time frame before we get into Revelation 6. Because again, Revelation 6 through chapter 18 is what we call this great tribulation period. So it's good that we understand what's happening during this time, what the Bible has to say about it. Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse 24. This passage, uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27, is what's called the... The, uh, the, really the key to end-time prophecy. And it's a, it's a message that Gabriel, from the Lord, gave to Daniel. And he said to Daniel, Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. And these seventy weeks is, is not literally seven, seventy-seven, you know, or seventy-seven days. You know, a week is seven days to us, but what he's speaking of is a week of years. Seventy-sevens, in other words, 490 years are determined for your people and for your holy city. And we see this precedence, this idea of uh, a week of years. For you and I, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but biblically it's in many places. You remember in Genesis chapter 29 when Jacob swindled, uh, uh, sorry, Laban swindled Jacob when uh, Jacob wanted Rachel, right? And he had to work for him for seven days. What does it say? And let me just read this to you. In Genesis 29 and verse 19, and Laban said, isn't it better that I give uh, her to you that I, or uh, is it it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her, ma, uh, to give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. Right? And you remember on his wedding day, Laban did a switcheroo on him. And I don't know where, where Jacob's head was. I don't know if he had too much wine or maybe it was just dark. And maybe the veil, I have no idea. Either way, 
Um, it says <laughs> he did the switcheroo on him, and then finally he figures this out the day after, and he goes to Laban, and he says, you know, I wanted, I wanted Rachel. Why did you give me Leah? And so Laban said, it is not to be done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Notice he says, fulfill her week. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me, uh, me still another seven years. So when he talks about a week, he's talking about a week of years. Does that make sense? Okay. So that's really what's happening here. So it's a week of years. And notice that the uh, rest of verse 24 in Daniel, what is it for? To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Verse 25, there, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore, notice, to restore and to build Jerusalem, the walls, etc., until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks, which a total are 69 weeks, correct? Seven plus 62 is 69. 69 weeks, the street shall be built and the wall even in troublous times. And so what this is referring to is a decree that Artaxerxes Longimanus made back in March 14th, 445 B.C. There were four different decrees that the Medes and the Persians uh, had made after the Babylonian Empire. Remember, the, the Jews were in captivity in Babylon even during that time. But there were four decrees, one from Cyrus, another from Darius, and two from Artaxerxes. And it was the fourth one from Artaxerxes where he actually had them go and rebuild the walls specifically, because that's what Daniel's prophecy here says, doesn't it? Let, let me uh, let me bring something up here. So from the uh, from the time of the going forth of the commandment until Messiah the Prince will be four hundred and ninety years, three hundred and sixty day years times seven. What does that equal? One hundred and seventy three thousand eight hundred eighty days. In Nehemiah chapter two, it talks about this. You can read that in detail about um, Nehemiah's um, discouragement over the walls and the gates of his city, Jerusalem, that had been torn down and burned with fire during the captivity and during the siege uh, from Babylon. And now that uh, Artaxerxes is in power, he's now Nehemiah is his cupbearer. And he has this great relationship with the king. And the king says, what, what are you upset about? And he says, my, the gates of my city of Jerusalem are all torn down. He says, what do you need? And so ultimately, Artaxerxes gave all the materials necessary to go back and to rebuild that temple. To rebuild that temple. And specifically, it was to repair the walls and rebuild the city. Because that's what Daniel's prophecy says here. And that's exactly the decree that Artaxerxes had given. And so, to make a long story short, we've been through this. If you were with us for the uh, time during the um, uh, Palm Sunday, we talked about this prophecy. But if you start with March 14th, 445 B.C., and you go forward 70 weeks, 70 weeks of years, 490 years, you actually come to a specific date, 173,880 days later. On the very day, what happened? Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey. You recall that? We call that Palm Sunday. It was the first time he allowed himself to be as king brought into his city. And it was that very day that was the fulfillment of this prophecy. But notice what goes on, and that was April 6, 32 A.D. 
But notice what happens in verse 26 now of Daniel. And after the 62 weeks, in other words, after the 7 weeks and the 62 weeks, I won't go into detail about that, but basically it's 69 weeks. After those 69 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war. Desolations are determined. This is interesting, this phrase, the people of the prince who will come who was to come. Who was it that came against Israel in 70 AD? It was the Romans. And so Daniel's saying, after these 69 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. He will be crucified. He will be executed. But not for himself. He did it for the people. He did it for the whole world, actually. And then, after his crucifixion, what happened in 70 AD, some 35 years later, The Romans came. The people of the prince that shall come. So the Romans came. The Romans came and destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD. And you remember in the book of Daniel, remember Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of this golden image, of this large image where the head of the image was gold and the chest and the arms was made of silver and the middle part was made of bronze and then uh, legs of uh, iron and then iron mixed with clay. And Daniel, later on, uh, in Daniel chapter 7, he tells us who those, those different personages were. And Babylon was certainly the world empire with the head of gold. And then the Medo-Persian empire were the ones who came after and conquered Babylon. And then Greece, under Alexander the Great, came after them. And then Rome came after them. And that was the period when uh, Jesus was alive on the earth. The Romans were still in power until 476 when the fall of Rome happened. But it also speaks of, finally, a- another world kingdom that hasn't yet risen up. And that was the very... The the, 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 the clay mixed with the iron, the iron mixed with clay, this last part, the very legs, the very bottom of the legs of this image that he saw. And that is a revived, we believe, a revived Roman Empire yet to come upon the earth, of which the Antichrist, the man of sin, will be the head over. Does that make sense? We've kind of talked about that in, in, in the past. So notice verse 27 in Daniel. It says, Then he... And this he that he's speaking of is the Antichrist. Again, not the, you know, everyone thinks that he, they got this personage of him. But he is going to be a smooth talker. He's going to be a, a, probably a good looking guy. And he's not going to be ultimately the man of sin until midway through the tribulation period, he is going to be wounded. We'll see that in a few minutes. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But notice what it says. Then he, this Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Here's our word again. It means week of years. So that's seven-year period. That's the period that we're talking about right now. That's the period where Revelation 6 begins this week of years. It's called Daniel's 70th week because we're here in Daniel, and he's saying on this And this week, in the middle of this 70th week, 69 have already taken place, this last week of years, this last seven-year period will commence. And it won't commence until we are removed. But when it happens, the Antichrist, this man who's going to solve the world's problems, and everyone's going to look up to, he is going to allow the Jews to rebuild their temple in Jerusalem. Think of that. Right now, there's a mosque. It's going to take a real smooth talker 
to be able to allow the Jewish temple to be built alongside that mosque. Wouldn't you agree? Does that sound like World War III to you? But this man's going to be able to do it. The church will be removed, so there'll be, there'll, be, there'll be very little resistance. The church won't be going, you can't do that. But in the middle of this week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. So this Revelation 6 begins at the beginning of the tribulation period, the 70th week of Daniel, when the Antichrist makes the covenant with Israel and gives them their temple. Does that make sense? He, make, he confirms a covenant with them for a week. In the beginning, he gives them the ability to build their temple. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.